0: Hello, and welcome to the second of a series of four on the people of the Christmas story. This is my Advent series, thus the whole two out of four. I don't think I need to explain that. Already starting off rambling. It's interesting because the Bible leaves stuff out. And on purpose, too, no doubt. God tells us what he wants us to know and gives us very specific things to focus on and the other things we wonder about. And we have all kinds of fun speculating and using those contextual clues and pieces of history as we guess at what it could be. We know and can be sure of what God says. And I think that's what's important. By talking about the stuff we don't know, I find myself looking at what the what is there. And then through it, I learn more. I am not kidding. You. When I do this podcast, and I look at the scripture, all of a sudden, I see things that I hadn't seen before. And I find that my relationship with God turns me from feeling like I'm insignificant to Chrissy Baki, daughter of a king, and the hippie Christian who cares. Have you ever felt insignificant or less than others? Maybe it's often for you, or maybe it's just once in a while. I hope that it isn't all the time, but no doubt we all have felt less. And many wonder if God really loves them. I am a people pleaser, and one time at work, I was getting evaluated and I had a boss who didn't really know me. I, he had worked with me for just a short period of time. And when I got the review, he called me average. Rude, right? I mean, I do not claim to be elite or superstar status, but, it, when, it, but when it comes to serving art educators, oh, I'm not average. I'm really passionate, clearly sensitive clearly prideful, and possibly even overreacting a bit. Because if I was so above average, why wouldn't I use that for a greater good, right? Actually, I came to terms with the whole average thing and actually began to embrace it. Average is often a person in the Bible. And in the written story of of Jesus's birth, average is a few nameless and faceless people. However, they are the people who would meet their savior before the rest of the world. Now, who wants to be average? So we're going to go back to Luke, and I say go back because The last episode, we talked about Mary and the best account of the story of the birth of Christ, otherwise known as the Christmas story, is definitely in Luke chapter two. So the gospel writer really tells the story like no other. And yet this God-inspired word does leave some stuff to our imagination which I think is really kind of fun because you can just have a little bit of fun with that. And hopefully you're not deviating from the true meaning of the words that are written. That's important. It is God's inspired word. And so we want to make sure to focus on what God has to say. But some of this stuff is left to our imagination, like the nameless, faceless person who shares their stable with Mary and Joseph when there was no room for them to stay. Read the Gospels and you will not find anyone who actually mentions a person called the innkeeper we know there had to be one, right? We assume, I mean, you could somewhat assume that Mary and Joseph found out that there was no room and snuck into their stable, but probably not. So it's relatively safe to say that there was a person. The scripture in Luke actually says, while they were there, The time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And in some versions, it says because there was no room at the inn. So I said them, and I use that pronoun because we don't know who owned the place and gave authorization for them to stay in the stable. Most of the time, we do assume that it was a man, and that is interesting because He's forever known as the rude dog who barks, no room. Like seriously, the poor innkeeper does get a really bad rap. And it's always this mean guy who's saying there's no room. But it could have been a woman. It, um, In fact, it could have been a widow or as in the, uh, there's also the prostitute Rahab. She actually had a place in um, hid Jewish spies So we do know of women who had their own place. There was the woman who um, had a son. Her husband had died. So it's not that it couldn't have been a woman, but it doesn't say. So we don't know. I vote not on the woman thing, and I'm usually real pro-woman. But let's be honest, what woman is is going to let Mary have a baby in a stable. I feel like that's a real man move because they don't get it. No offense to men. It's just a whole thing. So I am totally digressing. Um, But it is the things that we don't know that we can only assume and speculate. And the reason is because... Not the reason we speculate the reason that we don't know who this person is, is because it isn't about the innkeeper. The glory goes to God. And the importance of this story is on the baby Jesus. And while this insignificant man or woman isn't named, they literally are giving a place to the one who would go and prepare a place in heaven for them. That is pretty awesome. And now I'm kind of cracking up because I can just imagine getting to heaven and the person saying, hey, my name is, you know, Dean Jones, and I'm the innkeeper. Wouldn't that be hilarious? Like, oh, by the way, you did that whole podcast, and you were like, oh, nameless, faceless, innkeeper. It's me. This is my face. But wait, there are actually more nameless, faceless people, and they are the ones who hear of the birth of Christ firsthand. Meet the shepherds. I bet you that there is tons of non-church-going folks and non-Christians that know the story of Bethlehem's shepherds it's just an infamous story lots of info on shepherds by the way and some of it is actually pretty nasty it gives shepherds a really bad reputation that they were like equivalent to tax collectors and hated Um, Most of the things that I read seem to think that they're sort of the lowest on the hierarchy hierarchy of who's who in the days of Christ's birth, sort of, um, you know, that laborer type person. But what I think I came to think and really ponder, and we all know I have experience pondering because I got to play Mary, who treasures these things and ponders them in her heart. (laughs) I think that the shepherds really represent all of us. They represent the poor and the humble and the hardworking, the caretakers, the servant-hearted, the protectors, and those who, when they hear God's message, believe and act on it. And I think we can learn a lot from the shepherds. But first, let's learn how I create this podcast. (laughs) Thanks for listening. What can we learn from the shepherds? The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. So that's verses 10 and 12 and and verse 14. So the first thing, we kind of have 10 things that we can learn from the shepherds. I don't think this was ever on Dave's top 10 list as in David Letterman, but it should have been. So the first one was they literally lived and breathed their work. The verse in verse eight, it says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby watching over their flocks by night. Shepherds, as in plural, often it would be shepherds, a shepherd would have his own flock and then would join with other flocks, or sometimes it would be a couple shepherds in charge of a much larger flock. And there often was little like Wood cabins or little wood inns for them that they all stayed in. But they kept watch at night because there was like wolves and bears and things like that that would eat the sheep. And we know this to be true because David, who also would become king, and the whole line of from the line of David comes Jesus. So the whole idea of God using shepherds. So on purpose, however, like we, my back to my, back to my original thought was that we know that when David was going to fight Goliath, he was like, I'm not scared. You know, I fought off bears and I don't think he said lions, but maybe he did, but I've fought off like bears that are trying to eat my sheep. So, you know, I can take this guy, Anyways, they're brave and they're or not. That's the next one. Darn it, I'm wrecking this. Um, they lived and breathed their work. They are workers and they are out there doing it. And it seems like it's kind of 24-7. So number two, even the bravest of men are terrified when the glory of the Lord is present. So in verse 9. In Luke 2, it says, And the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. It's interesting because it is the glory of the Lord. So God's presence is there when this angel comes to tell. And then there's suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts, like more angels. And it's interesting too, though. It does said say they say they don't sing, but we always picture them singing like Hark the Herald Angels Sing. So again, it is those things that we sort of make up in our head, but I don't think it hurts anything if you think the angels sing because the glory of the Lord was there. But Very similar to when when the angel came to Mary and when the angel came to Joseph, they were scared. And now these brave, usually fearless shepherds see this angel. They're terrified. So that tells us something about the Almighty and how Even these shepherds recognized that God is to be feared, and not because he's scary and mean, but because he is awesome and almighty. So number three on my list is they reacted with an instant plan, like they hear God's word and they act on it. They say, let's go to Bethlehem, verse 12. Now, could they have said something first, like, what in the heck was that? And maybe they didn't have as clean of language as I do, which could be a big fat lie. I might occasionally use really bad curse words, but I try not to ever on this podcast. Anyways, maybe they did say something like that freaking out. Who knows? But what is recorded is they said, let's go to Bethlehem. And they do. So we can believe it. So I like that they hear God's word and react and react appropriately. The second part is they believed. Not the second part, the fourth part. Wow. Seriously long day. I'm recording this in the evening. I really need to get it together. Fourth on the list, they believed. And so the verse says, it's the second part of, let's go to Bethlehem. And it says, and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They are saying in response to a child has been born, let's go see this. It has happened like they believe it. And they are recognizing that it is the Lord that has told them about it. I think that's super cool because the glory of the Lord shone around them and the angel was giving the message. And our pastor just shared with us that angels are, are, um, equivalent or defined as messenger. So messenger of God, it is God's word. So the Lord told them about it. And the important part is they believed it. <sighs> if only we believed a little bit more solidly. Now, number five, they didn't waste time. They hustled. So it wasn't like, mm, I'll just go to church next time, or I'll just read my Bible later, or I'll just pray later, or I'll just thank God later. Oh, no. Verse 16 says, so they hurried off in, I think it's King James, where they said they, um, with haste, and everybody sometimes makes a joke saying that haste was the dog, like they took with haste. It's a silly joke, and it's not that funny anyways, but they didn't waste time. They hurried. They heard it. They reacted. They believed and they didn't waste time. Number six, they found Jesus, Joseph and Mary. That is verse 16. They found them. And what is really interesting is it actually says nearby. So it's not like they had to really search the town. I'm guessing they were close. And as they went into town, they were, I wonder if they're just like looking in stables. And <laughs> then boom, they find them. I don't know. But it says that they found them. And when they did, um, the number seven thing that we can learn from them, they told others. The verse says, when they had seen the, seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Verse 17. When they saw baby Jesus, they spread the word. Oh, wouldn't that be great if everybody spread the word about Jesus Christ? Our world would be such a better place. And they were convincing. That's number eight. They didn't just They weren't just like, yeah, I saw this baby. They were convincing. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. That's the verse. And it's awesome because they were convincing because all who heard it were amazed. Number nine, they go back to work. Verse 20 simply says the shepherds returned starts with that. It's not simply that's a, that was a lie. It was a total lie. It's way more than that. But the first part is simple. It's the shepherds returned. So they go back to work because they still live their lives. We don't come to know Jesus and stop living. We, we still are on this earth. I feel like I was really, um, like saying my S is really hard. I feel like I sounded like a snake just now. So if that was just really, um, lots of S's in a row and sounded very like snake, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know where that's coming from, but they don't just meet Jesus and realize that the savior is born and their Messiah is here and stop everything. They go back to work, they they share the news, and then they go back to work. But when they do, number 10 says it all. They worship and praise God. Their lives have changed. So yes, they do go back to work and, and start to continue to live life, but they do it glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Verse 20 shows that what these shepherds saw, who these shepherds saw, changed their life. And, it, and the story of Christmas should change our lives too. Good stuff, right? And totally planned on purpose by a God who wants us to know we are significant. It wasn't important to name the innkeeper or to say who the shepherds were, because Jesus is what matters in this story. And just like the shepherds, we need to keep telling this story now in the season of Christmas because it's not always the most wonderful time of the year. Not for everyone, and for some, it's really difficult. And in the last couple of years, for all of us, with the pandemic hanging over our heads, good grief. But there is good, and it is spoken by an angel to the shepherds, and this message is for us. Listen close. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Average? Insignificant? Maybe, but I don't think so. We are part of a king's family. And speaking of kings, with a little K, tune in next week for part three of my Advent series. Thank you so much for listening, everyone.